Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. It has arrived. The Rugby World Cup is just around the corner. and Why not enjoy it? with some ice-cold craft beer from our friends at Beer52. Get yourself over to beer52.com forward slash thistle and you'll get yourself a crate of eight free beers and a snack to enjoy while you're watching the rugby. This month, they all come from the East Coast of America, Boston, Massachusetts, and there's some great stuff in there. That's beer52.com forward slash thistle. All you have to do is pay £4.95 in postage and packaging, and they will be sent straight to your door. Get yourself over to beer52.com forward slash thistle and get yourself some beers. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. If you've made it through the weekend and back to listening again, you are a masochist, but we thank you very much. We are still picking up the pieces from uh, Matt's stag do and the absolute massacre in Yokohama. Alan, how's morale, bud? I think it's the most emotionally drained I've been as a human being in my life. And I've seen some things. You've seen seen some things. Um, Matt, have you recovered? Yeah, just about, you know. I think so I woke up on Sunday and I, I felt better than I thought I would and then watched the match and genuinely deteriorated massively from that point. I, but I, I, was, I wasn't particularly animated. I just sort of lay there in sort of a comatose state. The, the only bit where I kind of I got I shouted was when we were finally putting some phases together. We were in the Irish 22 and Barkley just like spannered that ball off his chest. And I was like, let out this howl of anguish. <laughs> like like a, wounded, a wounded animal. Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> and then the day just got worse and worse from there on. Well, if you can pick up that cheery tone, that is going to continue for about 40, 45 minutes from us as we look back at the Ireland game and ahead to the prospect 
of, hey, we might lose to Samoa as well. Uh, but before we get into that, um, reminder that you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod, or into the mailbag, which has never been so full. We're going to try and get through as many as we can, but just to give you a preview, lads, here are some of the, <laughs> the titles. First up, The Misery. Um, <laughs> the second one, Make the Pain Go Away. <laughs> oh, God. Um, the Insanity of Being a Scotland Fan. The Drubbing, a two-part saga, which is actually quite nice. And um, one which we're definitely going to get into, is Gregor Townsend the new Donald Trump? It's a hot take. So it is, yeah. honestly, preview for everyone listening, stick around for it, it is blisteringly hot. <laughs> it is unbelievable. Um, there isn't really any news outside of that that we want to go into. Obviously, we'll cover off the injuries and their replacements, but we want to give a shout out to our own sweet prince, Chris uh-huh. Dean, out until Christmas, I think. Yeah, well, we had heard that he his arm was in a sling maybe last week. Yeah, you've seen our own spies on the ground, seen, him seen in, in fingers you know, piano with uh, <laughs> <laughs> arm, arm in a sling, two WKDs on the other hand, <laughs> threw, threw away the one sling. resting in the sling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he had one in the sling as well, which I really like to see, um, which may or may not be true. Who knows? Um, but get well soon, sweet prince. Um, you can be our Edinburgh correspondent if you want to report from in camp. Yeah, why he's be getting good. better. Yeah. Anytime, get in touch. Um, should we kick things off? Obviously, just give me, Matt, I'll give you 30 seconds just to sum up your feelings about the Scotland game. Didn't fire a shot. Ireland didn't have to get out of third gear. Didn't look fit. Looked completely lost when things weren't going our way. And in the aftermath, there haven't been any real solutions You've got eight seconds left, so maybe we should just sit in silence and take in all of those terrible things. <laughs> Alan, anything to add? Retweet. Retweet, <laughs> yeah. That is exactly the moment. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I think I've got more solutions to Scotland's problems than anyone in the Scotland coaching staff has offered in the fallout from the game. Yeah. I mean, there's an argument to say that they're not going to publicize their solutions. I mean, I suppose, what did you make of, let's start, I think, Gregor Townsend, they didn't have enough energy. Yeah? Is that a valid excuse for a a team that have been preparing for this game for, let's give them two years? They've known that we've been playing for Ireland. Uh, So I actually thought there was quite a lot of energy in the first five minutes. Mm. And then once that first try went in and they went behind, it all just seemed to completely drain from the team and it just sort of ended up falling into kind of the, the game plan that we feared. in terms Yeah. Because actually, when you look back at that first try, the tackle just before Ian Henderson's break... It was a good one. It was a it? huge, like, tr- a double or triple man hit on CJ Stander. Mm. Like, short ball to CJ Stander. I think it was like Johnny Gray, maybe Ryan Wilson, one other. <laughs> it's almost like so many people got sucked in that ended up yeah. leaving Grant Gilchrist yeah. and McAnally kind of struggling to cover that space. Although, they obviously, 100% should have mm. done a lot better. Um but post that specific um, try at the start, it just felt like both in defence and attack, Scotland had zero answers. Yeah. I think the, the energy point, I mean, it's, it's an excuse for what happened because that was definitely the case. But in terms of that being a genuine issue this, at this point in your first game of the World Cup, and, and you know, we, we spoke about the warm-ups. I don't think we ever really said... 
I don't think we ever really were worried that we were undercooked, but I think that might be the case because Oop. I just don't think those guys didn't look at the races at all. We did yeah. discuss that worry in the France game. Uh, in the first one. In the first French yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But I think na- by the end of it, we kind of felt they're in a good place, at least fitness-wise. Yeah. Which I, I just think that that's one of the easiest things to coach, fitness. Yeah. I'm sorry, like, anyone could be really, really fit, I think. Uh, probably well. <laughs> <laughs> If I give but, you a two-month run-up, I, I reckon you'd be any, all right. Any, yeah. prof- any professional, you yeah, know. Yeah, of course. And they, they've obviously got, like, you know... highly regarded S&C coaches and sports science and all that kind of thing and just to kind of hear where we didn't have enough energy smacks to me that they weren't physically prepared yeah which seems to be the sort of bare minimum particularly for a world cup when you've been together for over a hundred days and and a lot of that will be conditioning work yeah so it just makes me think that whatever sort of um, cycle they were on or or periodization or whatever was just completely wrong i think putting the fitness to a one side which obviously is a concern obviously we've known we're playing ireland and we play ireland regularly ireland didn't do anything that we were not expecting ireland to do Mm. they posed the exact essay question that ireland have posed to every team for the last two or three years under joe smith we knew exactly what was coming and yet we didn't look like we either had the game plan to try and counter it or, I don't know, the personnel that have been picked. Now, granted, we don't have a lot of people left at home mm. that could have made a difference, but we looked extremely underprepared for this exact scenario. I think I agree. I do think maybe we sort of slightly undersell Ireland's performance because I do think in terms of, I think Conor Murray was absolute class. Just like really annoyingly nailing box kicks and yep. like pushing Scotland back. Yeah. yeah. And then in defence, they clearly they implemented that rush defense really, really well. Mm. And Finn just wasn't able to get anything going. Yeah. But and not but not that they shouldn't have had yeah. a way to address yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. But I think yeah. I think it sort of come it sort of comes back to the the personnel in that team that as we were saying, that front five in particular, helped out by the by the back row, needed to have blinders just to stay in the game they didn't they played really badly and looked really unfit to the the point where sort of they compounded each other and and i think for quite a few um of the tries you had for example that standard one three guys going to hit a good tackle but that's three guys out of the game because that's what you needed to do to stop um and then another point i think it was someone tweeted it james ryan carried and got over the game line not massively, but made like three or four yards. And it was th- even though three forwards had tackled him. So then you've got to get yeah. two people coming around yeah. into, into those A and Bs. Um, and there was, there was so much space there. Um, which, I mean, once again, it just kind of shows like guys like Gilchrist and, and Gray and maybe Wilson can compete and do well in the club games when it comes to that big stage. They just don't seem to have that top drawer performance in the locker. Completely agree. Who obviously it was a one to fifteen terrible performance. I think there's a few people to me that looked like they're just they weren't at the race. I think John Barkley was extraordinarily off the pace, from what I could tell. Yeah. 
Um, Ryan Wilson, I, I think until he was mentioned in the commentary after about 20 minutes, I, I hadn't n- noticed his impact on the game mm. in any way, which I thought was really, um, really disappointing. And I, I, I can't look at any player other than actually Chris Harris when he came on um, that made a sort of a, a positive impact on that game. I think Tom Thompson was all right when he came on. Yeah. Uh, Darcy Graham looked at least like he had some energy about him. Like Tommy Seymour and, and Maitland just looks like they were running in treacle the whole time. Yeah. I just thought Maitland had an okay game. But I he, think he was okay, yeah. Seymour but. was sort of brought in and you know you know, we sort of bang on about it. His he's kind of lost that running game. Mm. But he's brought in for that solidity, you know, it's wet conditions. Yeah. Gotta have that cool head, great in the air. And he just brought essentially none of that. Mm. And because you know he was spilling Stockdale and Conway looked so superior to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought Finn, I don't know, sort of kept plugging away at least. But it's it's pretty difficult when you're on bat football and Greek was on one of his particularly slow days. And if you've got an island defence that do know that if they shut down Finn and Hogg in particular, yeah. And if you're not going forward, and, and I suppose Ireland defensively knew that if, say, Wilson was in that in between the 10 and 12 channel, they could kind of shift on to the next man. Yeah. yeah. Scotland seemed to be wanting to play this ball in behind. And I suppose if you don't have the running threats of a CJ Stander or an Ian Henderson, I thought I had a very good game as well, um, then you can just shift on. And the amount of times that Hogg in particular got caught behind um, his forwards, behind the gain line, he yeah. couldn't get any space. It, it just felt that they needed to go back to, you know, just sending up a short line. There's obviously people running under his lines, people running over his lines. It felt that it was going out the back every time. Yeah. And that just got so telegraphed that Ireland were all over it and their line speed was extremely impressive. Hmm. Speaking of Stuart Hogg, do you think he had a good game? Uh, not particularly, but I don't think he was terrible. I, 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 feel, I feel it was kind of the... Things weren't going Scotland's way. He's sort of the talisman. And he was doing a lot of stuff from way behind the game, yeah. like under pressure, but he maybe was trying to do it all himself. Yeah. Made the most carries of any player. For not that many metres, I imagine. Well, not many actual metres. I imagine then, lots the, the, behind the, the game. Frustrating, the, the thing frustrating me most about Hogg, though, was, and I don't really blame him for this, he kicked the ball so often. Yeah. When he was getting the ball in wide channels... And sometimes maybe the kick was kick was on, but more often than not, it was a little grubber that went out so sort of ten or fifteen meters in front. And Ireland are a team who I don't think Ireland lost a liner all day. Yeah, like their set piece was immaculate. So I, I mean, you know, at, at least just hold on to the ball and see if you can move these guys around a bit. Um, and, but that seemed to be a tactic that they wanted to to bring in, which I just I don't quite understand. Yeah, I I didn't know whether it was out of frustration or whether it was you know, to do the conditions or whether that actually just thought that was the right way of breaking down that Irish defence. Because, hmm. I, I mean, outside of whether it was the right thing to do, I actually thought potentially the execution in a lot of it, cases were pretty poor yeah. in terms of those kind of short kicks in behind. Because hmm. either we were sort of, great, gaining like 10 metres and Ireland had the line-out where they were winning yeah. every line-out. Yeah. Or it was just going straight to sort of the winger and the fullback. So yeah. it wasn't really adding anything Not at all. to what we were doing. Not at all. Um, I also find it quite strange that Chris Harris, you know, he came on and he was fine. But he's sort of gone from being what was essentially a joke 
Yeah. <laughs> to being what some people seem to see as sort of like the savior of Scottish rugby. Everyone's like, it's got to be Chris Harris, man. <laughs> he he is the shining light. I mean, maybe it was just in the the contrast to um, Taylor and Johnson. Yeah. Who, you know, I, I get it. Like you're under the cosh, you're, you're on the back foot, but even still, like the amount of errors that those two made, like for the first try when I think it was Taylor put in that miss pass that went over Maitland's head. Yes. Yeah, that was... Yeah. I mean, that's just so basic. Well, that was the starting point of the... Oh, that was the first... That yeah. led to the first try. Exactly. And then, you know, Scotland at one point had like a decent attack. Finn chucks in the ball, clearly looking for the loop, and he just completely shells it forward. You're like, what's going on here? And Johnson, I felt, once again, was one of those guys who was sort of getting those balls out the back, yeah. not finding any space. But, I mean, I at least felt that they, they defensively put in a shift, but... It just seemed as if those guys couldn't really take any control like we maybe thought they would. We played together once. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing, you know, bang on about, I think we all agree, you know, that Taylor and Barkley are, are or have been great players. I mean, Taylor must have played like six games, if that, since Australia in 2017. Yeah, that last two years. And Barkley, you know, A, he's not a young pup anymore. And he's been out for a full year. Mm. And, you know, both just did seem massively kind of off the pace or kind of out of the game, not being able to kind of how they normally kind of stamp their, their yeah. kind of role on a game. Yeah. Which you kind of had that. There's just so many things at once. Sort of Ireland kind of delivering that performance. Scottish pack kind of doing what we thought they might do. Players who were off the pace, players who potentially have had too long in that team. Mm. You know, it was interesting because you know, Townsend's backed and you specifically Seymour and Wilson for a long time. And there was obviously a lot of calls, not just yeah. now, but over the last sort of six to nine months to kind of potentially your players like Richie, Darcy Graham, Bradbury, Matt Ferguson yeah. have consistently been playing better than him in club rugby. I think they've always played better, like as in this year. But, but I even think their performances in the last year, in the last year, for example, have been better than he has ever produced for. Are you Glasgow specifically saying Wilson or Seymour? Uh, well, I'm going for Wilson here. I can see. I can see. <laughs> I'm going for Wilson here. <laughs> I, I just it was. An, we did say this in the last pod that we were after 40 minutes going to be tearing our hair, and it's not entirely his fault. But it just kind of seemed like this was sort of the proof in the pudding that not taking someone like Matt Ferguson, for example, or not starting. If, if you can take Blade Thompson, I don't understand. I put so much faith in him. I don't know why you wouldn't have started him. And I think it's just, it just goes back to this point that this is like probably one of the most experienced Scotland on the pitch. Yeah. Most yeah. experienced World Cup oh, side yeah. they'd ever, probably close to the most experienced side they've ever put on the pitch. Yeah. And it just seemed like Laidlaw, Barkley, Wilson... Seymour, Hogg, Russell, um, Gray, McAnally. That's like seven. Like yeah. Seven guys in your team that you could look to as like a potential leader or captain. Just couldn't find a way of even stemming the tide. You just mentioned the word captain. We haven't even, I don't think we really talked about Stuart McAnally. Um, obviously not his best performance. And he's looked generally like absolutely shell-shocked in the, uh, in the aftermath of the game. Do you think he is the right? He is the sort of the right man to be captaining Scotland in that sort of situation. Because as you say, nobody 
seem to step up and say, look, we need to change what we're doing. We need to slightly alter this tactic mm. here or at least give everyone a fucking shake and say, we need to get going. I mean, potentially if it was like a super young team where there wasn't a lot of caps, mm. potentially you maybe say that McAnally isn't the right sort of captain because he doesn't really come across as that quite like vocal kind yeah. of no. yeah. follow me through, the, follow me over the top sort of guy. But ultimately, you've got Grieg, who's been captain. You've got bloody Gilchrist, who's been looked at as captain. Gray's been captain before. Wilson's been captain before. Barkley's been captain before. Hogg's been captain before. Seymour's got 60 caps. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, there, I agree. There, there is enough people with experience Agreed. and leadership experience that you shouldn't just be relying on McAnally. And I think actually probably taking a little bit more flack than is deserved. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, but maybe he could have done more. No, I, th- I think you're right. It just it just sort of felt like, and it, it's easy to say because I, you know, I think it goes back to the fitness point that when like the game's going at a decent enough pace, yeah. you're you're off the pace. It's so difficult to to communicate when you're like you know breathing Absolutely in the big blowing, ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, Barkley was like being sick on the pitch. How's he going to like was, go and say anything? Was Barkley being sick? I don't <laughs> know, because he was because he was knackered, or is he? I assumed he's like been winded or something like that's that. what i, I don't know sort of assume. it feels like even 30 minutes is a bit aggressive for him to be absolutely f- so fucked that he is being sick <laughs> and also it wasn't a, i'm trying to remember it wasn't a particularly like fast like you can imagine but, like yeah exactly ireland don't play that kind of game yeah but but then i suppose the, the difficulty and it comes back to this like plan b that it's not as if you can say right lads we're going to tighten it up for the rest of the match um yeah and then you look around and you go, oh, shit, who's going to do the tight carries? Johnny Gray for negative yards. Gilchrist getting smashed. Wilson, like, pathetic in the, in the carry. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, how, do you, how do you change it up? Yeah, exactly. And the guys you're bringing on off the bench kind of are there to, like, Ali Price. Well, they were there to speed it up Graham. rather Exa- than, yeah, like, exactly. slow it down, yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned one of them. Ali Price is now on his way home. Hamish Watson on his way home. What impact do you think losing both of them has on the on the sort of the squad and Scotland's sort of remaining group games? I think just talking about Watson going off, we sort of mentioned this earlier um, before the pod. Obviously, Fraser Brown came on to replace him, yeah, and got put into the back row. We sort of said Hamish Watson for what he for all that he is great isn't a particularly kind of like jackal getting loads of turnovers. Mm sort of seven you know he's much more of a he'll make you yards he'll put in big tackles he gets around the breakdown so it just felt strange that when that sort of player who's probably our best carrier on the field at that time comes off you have a choice of blade thompson and fraser brown i didn't really understand that decision yeah i I thought it was odd yeah because it works really well you can just move wilson straight into the on the flank and bring thompson in at eight yeah. So, and I'm sure you know the thing about Fraser Brown is he he is a good player, but again, you know he hasn't played a lot of rugby recently. Yeah. You know, again, someone who's coming back from a long term injury. So, I mean, Thompson hasn't either. To yeah. be fair. Maybe it was because they knew Barkley wasn't going to make it eighty minutes, so they were just like, "Look, we need to bring on another back row replacement later." Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. <laughs> but you know, I guess you know Watson probably most consistent forward of the last two years 
does it, and obviously losing Hamish Watson is awful. He's a starting seven, and you know, on his current trajectory of form pre that game, you're starting. He's in a conversation for a Lions jersey. He is a quality loss, but it does bring. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Bradbury right to the four, straight into the squad. Mm. Does he add that sort of ball-carrying heft that possibly we were missing? And, you know, he's been with the squad in, in Japan. He could slot pretty much straight in against Samoa. Uh, eight. Yeah, obviously in some sort of rejig, not yeah. seven, but uh, yeah. It I mean, feels I like think Thompson. either him. Or, I think Thompson's maybe slightly ahead of him in the pecking order. Yeah, which I don't necessarily think is right. But then once again, if it's a fitness issue, like Bradbury's not played that much recently. You know, he's been yeah. out. So do you do you risk that? I, th- I think they're probably good with Thompson. Yeah, I think on um, on Ali Price, it's kind of a difficult one because. If you know this next game or these next three games is such like must win matches that you're not going to chuck George Horn in, yeah. And even I don't think probably I get, don't think Townsend we're good, we're good enough to beat Russia with George Horn. If if we're not good enough depends. to beat Russia with George Horn, we should go home. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I'm, 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 I'd be okay with that. Just give them the win. But but then, but well, I I don't even think though that maybe in that Russia match, but I don't think Price would have replaced Laidlaw. Do not. No. No. No, I don't think so. Because uh, particularly against Samoa, you probably don't want to play like, oh, what is Scotland going to do? We're trying to play the flat, fastest rugby in the world against Samoa. You don't, what? You don't do that. Yeah, we tried that and they scored like 38 yeah. points and almost beat us at Murrayfield. <laughs> I wouldn't be, I, know, I think potentially chatting about doing a preview pod for the Samoa game, but I'm not against a Thompson, Bradbury, Ritchie back row. I, I quite like it. I think it gives you some like, it's quite exciting. Yeah. I just wonder if it gives you the right balance in terms of Thompson and Bradbury are going to do just the dog dog's body work. Yeah. Be my be, only concern. It'd be interesting because, again, you know, Richie really hasn't put in a bad performance for Scotland over the last year. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I, I know Samoa is a must win. But again, you know, it feels like Richie is a, a, Richie and Bradbury are strong enough players for us to go in and win that small game with. Mm, I agree. Um, what other changes would you make? I mean, we kind of pinned a mass to Taylor and Johnson, and I just think you've got to give them as much game time as possible. 
Yeah, I don't think I'd change that. I do think you change 9 or 10, and I think you probably bring in Darcy for Seymour. Any changes in the front five? Cummings looked lively when he came on. Mm-hmm. Maybe because it was a particularly stodgy performance from Gilchrist and Gray. Yeah. I mean, I, I maybe you just, the thing is you just... I don't think you want to make... Too many. Too many exactly. changes. It's like where... How many changes can we make without disrupting kind of the whole balance of the oh, team? Disrupting that class performance against Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the real catch-22 though, isn't it? Because there's a lot of guys who on the basis of that performance shouldn't be there. We've but, got to believe that... It, it's a dip you know I think you know, I've believed this before Alan it's the consistency of the team though like I, I guess yeah I don't know what we were expecting it, it was either going to be an absolute pumping or we were going to like <laughs> probably win so you know it's it's what the, and I think I still believe that this team's got big performances in them and even I mean that team that started has got a big performance. In that, that's the thing. That's why I, I wouldn't make too many changes. Yeah. Because th- these are guys who have, they have, have delivered before the, the majority yep. of them in, maybe not consistently, but in those victories. So do you think there's any rationale in the fact that Ireland, because you remember Ireland got absolutely pumped by England a month ago. Yeah. Like, was it 57-10? Yeah, something like that. So, and you know, pretty strong team out. Yeah, yeah. So they've obviously come off that. I think they then had a game against Italy, and then they've had two really hard games against Wales. Really hard games. And whilst, obviously, we had a pumping against France, and then we beat a pretty poor France team, we've had two... You know, Georgia could bring their difficulties, but they're not a world-class team. And do you yeah. think we've come in... Ireland have sort of, like... <laughs> really been tested especially in those last two games against Wales you know playing Wales in Millennium Stadium and winning it's never like, mm. that is tough whereas we've kind of had the challenge but you know Scotland without really getting out of second gear can take Georgia yeah yeah totally and actually we've become we've actually come into that first game just cold well that's that was the sort of the only crumb of comfort that I took that Joe Schmidt in his post-match interview was like and you know some of it's semantics but he was like you know i i i've got like loads of respect for what gregor's doing in that scotland team like i think they are a really really good side and i think they'll only get better as this tournament goes on we just caught them at the right time yeah and you know it's probably just some of that's like just to show a bit of respect to your opposite coach yeah I, i i i'm hoping there's an element of that so now i'm gonna throw something at you all right we're gonna play new zealand in the quarterfinals if we make it oh yeah New Zealand have got Namibia, Canada, and Italy. We've got Samoa is going to be hard, and then Russia, and then a quick turnaround in Japan. We're timing this Just right. Stop it, stop. We're, t- we're timing this well. We, what you're saying is we're catching New Zealand cold. Yeah. Ice cold New Zealand. This is a long-term play. They didn't look up to much against South Africa, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, it's I, I, It's coming. <laughs> We did actually have an email that was pretty much to that um, to that point. Let me see if I can find it. It was very, very good. I think it was Gary Hunter who sent us sort of two emails. Like it was like a string of consciousness from Gary, <laughs> from, um, from Gary who said, "Will we go to our deathbeds recalling Scotland knocking out the All Blacks in the 2019 Rugby World Cup?" No, no, no. I don't think Gary. It's I don't think easy, we will. That's an easy one. Um, that actually came in a couple minutes after Tunis the new Trump. 
Are you interested in Tooney being I wanna, a new I want to hear yeah, Tooney yeah. as a new Trump. So this is uh, Dougie Horn. Thanks very much for getting in touch, uh, Dougie. <laughs> um, morning, gents. Like me, I'm sure you're still recovering from the devastation of Sunday as well as your Saturday night. Quite right. A thought has just cropped into my head. Is Townsend the new Trump? All this bluster and then nothing. The rhetoric so strong about the fastest brand of rugby is nothing but a fallacy. And I feel, like President Trump, Townsend feels that the more he says it and the more his generals spout it, the more that it must be true. There you go. <laughs> so, Alan, is Townsend the new Trump? Potentially. <laughs> he might be. Potentially. Fake news? Maybe like Eric Trump. I don't think he's fooled Donald. Well, I mean, the SRU, they've just signed up a new independent rugby correspondent that's putting out that is That is quite Trumpian. It's quite Trumpian. It's going straight to the um, straight to the audience they want, not through the mainstream media like Tom, <laughs> Tom English and Alistair Reed and Mark Palmer, who gave them a kicking. They've got their own man now. I'm going to talk about the SRU's actions in the wake of... Wake of Ireland. I think I think we might have to. I think we have to. Do you think Dodson's going to start doing like vlogs? He's like, I'm going to speak to the people directly, the real Scottish <laughs> yeah. rugby fans. It would be, yeah, it would be like, and those ones that you see on YouTube, they've got like the black banner at the top and at the bottom. It's like Mark Bots- Mark Dodson tells you why Scotland did defeat New Zealand <laughs> and things like that. I'm interested in that. So for people who haven't seen it, there's an SRU and their wisdom decide on, is it Monday to release this news about the news? Um, so they've, what is they've, it? they've signed Corporate a new host, they've signed a new hospitality, hospitality contract. contract. Yeah. I, I, from what I, so much as I can tell, I think I might have blacked out with sort of rage when I was reading it. <laughs> but they've announced a hospitality contract. This is like in the throes of you know Scottish rugby crisis. Yeah, and it was like breaking <laughs> news. It's like that what? was the thing that pissed me off the most about it. Because I'm like, look, you have to make money. That's fine, and I yeah. I understand that having had a bit of a dressing down from an SRU employee, that it's a good deal. <laughs> That makes them quite a lot of money. <laughs> Do you need to announce it as bold capitals and, breaking and I'm sh- news? I'm sure these guys the day after the exactly the biggest loss, yeah, in the last four years of yeah. Scottish rugby, where, where like global sentiment is so poor. <laughs> and then surely maybe the partner were saying the hospitality partner was saying we really really want to get this out as soon as possible. And you go, look, guys, this is if we get it out now. It'll be bad for you and it'll be bad for us. So can we just delay it by like a week well, just until like, we've beaten some more? Until we've beaten until some more. Until like literally on like Thursday or Friday, until, people calm down a little bit. Any oh. other day. My, fav- <laughs> my favorite reply on Twitter, which was from a guy named Matthew Leslie, who I assume is related to you or your alter ego. <laughs> it's yes. like, what time does the open top bus hit Princess Street? I want to get there early to celebrate this. <laughs> <laughs> I people, mean, a lot then, of people, a lot of the a lot of the real fans are like, oh, glad the big wigs are like fed in water with their champagne <laughs> and and prawns. It's like, oh, I mean, God. It's just, it, it gives people, and I, I I think that we try and give both sides of you know the SR you need to make money, and they yeah. have been very good at that, and some of that is beneficial. But my God, that was just poorly poorly done. And and, and then just, and then they come out with the news today that they have signed up. Their own in-house, but independent—the exact word, literally independent journalist—to to, I to report that. on their matches. To be fair, I, I do think he is relatively independent in his piece. But okay, he, he is kind of. Yeah, like, I, I think I, I think he is. My own point is like, what's the point? Ex- exactly. Like, why? It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Because Tooney is the new Trump. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was his idea. This guy is his Sarah Sanders. He's, he going, like, he's going over the top. Yeah, he's like, think, things look bad. Who is Who are the most powerful leaders in the world right now? He's looked at Trump. Boris is getting a little bit Trumpish. I would prorogue the World Cup right now, though, to be fair. I'd, yeah. I'd take that. If someone offered me nothing know, more and then a, New, a repeat of New Zealand South Africa. Prorogue it until like, Scotland like, can host it. Until, yeah, exactly, if we had a Murrayfield, yeah. we'd be fine. We win at Murrayfield. We do win at Murrayfield, that's true. <laughs> this is the other thing that Alistair Reeb was talking about in his article on Sunday, which is, or Monday. It was Monday. Particularly it was scary. Very, it was very scary. Being like, indeed. the system is broken, which, I, you know, is a bit of an overreaction. But then I, I do have sympathy with this sort of looking at the sort of SRU PR machine, how much of a deal it makes about the partnership with Nagasaki, with Nice, uh, with Stade Nisois, with old... And you're like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, these things seem to be neutral to slightly negative at best. Yeah. And then when this thing kind of, kind of thing happens, it's, it's just such an easy stick to beat the SRU with. Yeah. And it's it's one match, and there is like an element of hyperbole. I, I think there has been a, a huge backlash, but I actually think that, as we've said, this was one of the biggest games for Scotland, certainly in the last four years. Yes, it is on the global stage. I mean, like mm. usually, it's us and a couple of other podcasts talking about Scottish rugby all year round. Yeah. Under the world's gaze, like when we've been saying, you know, actually, what Scotland are decent, yeah. we are worth a look. And my God, we were not worth a look. Yeah, because that was annoying thing. The, the commentary in that independent contributor was kind of like, well, Ireland were number one in the world. Scotland don't really play well away from home. The weather, what were you expecting? And I was like, I was expecting more. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe not a win, but he didn't even score a try. Yeah, yeah I know. It's also like, that's not what we're being told. We're being told this is the best squad ever. Exactly. This is after the fact. In fact, I've said that as well. It is the best squad ever, I suppose, but maybe we got carried away that that meant like it was actually going to be good. It was the absolute best squad. Yeah. But, I mean, I was, I was having a debate on Friday with an English rugby fan about how many players we could call world class. I was like, yeah, we got... You, you were know, very we pissed on Friday. Uh, well, this is before that, to be fair. Was it? This is in the day. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. And I, I felt like, I wasn't going, I felt I was being quite measured in my argument. And then you sort of have that happen on Sunday and it's yeah. thrown back in your face. That, so what we're saying is we we personally have been embarrassed. But that is the thing yes, that, yeah. you know, we, we do have some English and Welsh friends who do repeatedly tell us that Scotland are shit. Yeah. Or that Scotland can't hack it in the big games. And we routinely go back to them and say, you're wrong, the Scotland team can and will do it. And... <laughs> We have been, at least in this instance, shown to be incorrect. We got we got bullied. Yes, like, I felt like Furlong and Stander were like laughing at the Scotland players. Yeah, like when, when, he, when Stander picked and went off that scrum to set yeah. up Furlongs, I was oh, like, God. I was it like, was this is genuinely just like the big kid, man versus boys. Yeah. yeah, I was laughing. You sent me while we were watching the game. We're not together, Matt. What's at me? The thick of it. And yeah, like, even the cameramen are laughing at you. <laughs> and I, was it, like, it, it, I was like, "This is exactly yeah. what that is." Like, it felt like everyone laughing. was laughing. And why don't you put this in the pod group? Why are you leaving me out? Uh, it was. It, I couldn't find just the little clip. It was like a four-minute-long clip, and then I had to put the time in and everything. And I was like, just, oh. "Yeah, yeah." It's very enjoyable though. That's and I was fair. like, "That is a, that is a good good reference." Yeah. What do Scotland need to do to beat Samoa and prevent us? going out of the World Cup. <laughs> Just well, you, so, even put in like a 
six or seven out of ten performance. Like I think it, we're good enough to way yeah. like too good to be to be losing to Samoa. Samoa just actually aren't that good, and I think actually if we just I think Greg has to start, and I actually think you just play the percentages and try and kind of look. Yeah. We are a better trained. We should be fitter. And let's just slowly take this Samoa team yeah. down. And then 60 minutes gone or whatever, you can start to play that fastest yes. fucking brand of rugby. <laughs> or just, <laughs> you know, start start to take advantage of the situation. Yeah. There's something I'm scared. The only one thing I'm scared of is you need to get in the top three of your group to get automatic qualification into the next World Cup. And if we lose to Samoa and Japan, end up going through like European the like, the <laughs> World oh Cup quality playing like Hong Kong away if that, if that happens I think we need to we just set out the Six Nations for like a year he's taking the look lads we're just you're calling it here yeah it's part of me that would quite like a really rogue like tier two nation trip away oh yeah to get yeah, into the good. World Cup it would be good Germany away or something like that or like a two part as well it's oh like yeah Romania home and away <laughs> Imagine that. Like, we probably that would actually that. be terrible. Yeah, <laughs> we probably, probably would lose that. No, I think I think we talked about the changes they'll make, and hopefully, people like without trying to put too much pressure on his shoulders, but someone like Darcy Graham will just at least add a bit of that like spark and urgency. Yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting to see what they do in the back row if they if they can bring in like Bradbury and Thompson, they can add a bit of dynamism. Yeah. Then, um. I think we'll have more than enough to beat Samoa, provided they don't like kind of try and decapitate all the players. As the thing is. <laughs> I mean, any of those guys get cited? I think they have been cited. I think two of them, yeah. And it's what Lalo, who's the Carter Blues guy, and I uh, can't remember the name, but the hooker. Yeah, I can't remember. That was savage. <laughs> it's horrific. <laughs> Absolutely, genuinely horrific. Well, we will see. We will either be back just before or just after the Scott and Samoa game. We're sorting out our diaries to whether we're going to do a pre- or post-match pod, but we will be back for that. And as you may have seen, uh, we are working with the fine guys over at Betfair during this World Cup. We're putting out our bet of the week. Last week, my bet of the week was Darcy Graham to score first, so that went extraordinarily well. So thank you, everyone, who backed me on that this week. I've got 20 quid on Scotland to bounce back by more than 15 points. That's a Scotland win by more than 15. Get yourself onto the Betfair website if you are gambling. During this Rugby World Cup, they've got prices on absolutely everything. Um, And they're bloody good guys too. Always gamble responsibly, of course. Get yourself onto Betfair and put some money on Scotland to win by 15. And... You know, there is more rugby coming up. Edinburgh playing Zebra at the weekend as well. So oh, let's not forget the big game. We're going to come back, talk a little bit of Pro 14 after a word from Find a Player. Sorry to interrupt your misery listening to us uh, break down the Scotland Island game, but just wanted to get a message out to you from our friends at Find a Player. The rugby season is in full swing, but organizing your games and training session is still as much of a bollock as it was this time last year. Get yourself onto the App Store and download the Find a Player app because they've got your back. Find a Player makes organizing a breeze and you'll be able to pick your teams based on your squad's skills and fitness. You can rate your mates after you play them. How good is that? And now you can pay and collect match fees directly through the app. So don't get left chasing catch, cash for your match fees from the Dodgers in your squad. Get it on the Find a Player app 
and it is nice and easy via Apple Pay, Google Pay, or with card details, and you'll receive your payment directly into your bank account within two hours of your game. So get yourself onto the App Store, download the Find a Player app right now for free and if you use the link that is in the show notes for this podcast you will be registered as a thistle listener which means you'll be with all the good people find a player app on the app store now all right safari night is back pro 14 fans it's it's actually a safari back-to-back is it? Yeah. It's Friday and Saturday night. Is, yeah. Oh, a whole weekend they're stretching out safari party. Yeah. Uh, so Glasgow are down in South Africa. Uh, Edinburgh playing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bloemfontein. Edinburgh playing against uh, Zebra. It'll be interesting to see what um, sides are put out. Obviously, shorn of all the World Cup players. Yeah, there's, I'm not quite sure the squad that went to South Africa, but there was a few videos put up and it was like Petrus, uh, yeah. Matt Figerson, definitely, Nick Frisbee. Yeah. It's going to be able to put Hugh Jones, Hugh Jones, Hugh Jones, Kebble, Hugh Jones Ollie Kebble, Andrew Davidson, uh, Rue Jackson. Uh, so, got a squad. Fizarro. It should be able to put. I don't know what the Cheetahs will be like, though. Well, they did win they the, the Curry Cup. Cup, yeah. And I don't think they've lost really any players. No, I don't mm. think the Curry Cup is what it was, you know? But no. Ultimately, but that's a tricky match, though. Yeah, first up, yeah. away in at altitude. With. Like without your World Cup players, yeah, <laughs> I could see them losing it. Actually, I could very easily see them losing it. Actually. You know, it's actually, it's the it's the perfect way to end a terrible week in Scottish <laughs> rugby if we can bookend it with a nice loss to the Cheetahs and Zebra, and Zebra, and then roll into Monday for a Samoa loss. For a Samoa loss, off to the repechage for the lads. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! As I said, if we if we lose to Samoa in Japan, I think we just purge the pod. And just delete all previous episodes and all previous social media posts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretend it never happened. We're gone. Yeah. Ghost Don't put our name to it. Yeah, right to be forgotten. And everything. Had, exactly, yeah. Were you the guy who did the pod? Nah, no interest. Got no, right, right, interested yeah. in it. Uh, <laughs> I'm part of the Tartan Army now. I mean... It'd be a shame to lose all the memes. I've put a lot of time in on those memes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Edinburgh should win. Edinburgh absolutely should win. Feels like Edinburgh can still put out a pretty strong, particularly pack. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then, and then Schumann... Even, and even Cherry. that, yeah. And then when you look at the back line, I mean, ultimately, obviously they've lost Pergos, but you've still got Nick Groom. Nick Groom. Nick He's been Groom. named one of the vice captains. Yeah, has he? And Pergos, which is a bit weird. What? So yeah, so it'll be Nick Groom, Vanderbilt. No, 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 Nick Groom. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry, Van, yeah, yeah, Van sorry. or Hickey. Vanderbilt yeah. or Hickey. Hickey better come good. Bennett and Scott. I know. Bennett and Scott do hands around. You got like Hoyland. Dougie yeah. Doohan was uh, like on his Instagram was out on the beers, but you know he he, might, he? he might play. It's fine. I'm sure see. he can do both. He'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> he's in great nick. He's yeah. in great nick. To be fair, so the the really should be enough in that team to be yeah. zebra. Yeah, and uh, you know I mean, zebra must have quite a few players with the Italy squad or a handful probably. at least. Yeah, at least a handful. And it, I imagine I, their depth. The thing is. Poor. As you've said in that in that warm up game, Scott and Bennett looked really really good. Yeah, yeah. and you know now that Dean's out, you know they're definitely going to be the starting two centres. And if they can bring that kind of cutting edge, they, yeah. Whilst, oh god, I can't believe I'm saying this. The Sweet Prince is great, but potentially he sort of 
lacks some of the the kind of running yeah, game that, that Bennett, spark, for example, yeah, sure. Um, it's kind of potentially what Edinburgh need because ultimately, you know, back three, Kinghorn, Duhan, and Darcy Graham, there's not many better back threes in European rugby. No. Yeah. And if you can get those centres absolutely flying. I think there's issues at 10. I think that... Do you not think Van der Voelt's good enough? I think he's sort of like, and okay, he's like a semi-decent runner of the ball and he's a semi-decent kicker of the ball, but he's not really good at one of them either. And then in attack, I think he sits very, very deep. Yeah, I think in the, particularly last year, um, out with the Heineken Cup, you you never really saw that midfield gel. Yes, and and put sort of proper attacks together. It felt like Edinburgh could go through yeah. quite a lot of phases with the ball and not make any breakthroughs. Yeah, same, but same with Hickey. Well, I think Hickey overall has been very underwhelming. I mean. Hickey's got to be at least kind of good. He's played like <laughs> New Zealand under twenty. I think he's won. He won the New Zealand under twenties. Yeah. Played rock, like maybe this would be the just needed a year under his belt. I don't know. Yeah, presumably the last year of his contract. What do you think? Where do you think the pro sides will finish up this year? Obviously, a little bit of an <laughs> underwhelming season for Edinburgh domestically last year. After some a decent run in Europe, Glasgow final losing finalists. What are your predictions? Um, I think Edinburgh are going to go. Sh- going to be top two. I think ultimately. I was just going to say that top not, two in the group. Yeah, not with, with no Champions Cup. Yeah, I mean Cockrell's got to be absolutely beasting them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think, think squad, after last year he'll be like seriously pissed off yeah. they didn't get into the playoffs. I think the yeah. squad is better this year than it was year, last year it's yeah. I think incrementally better you've hopefully got it's your first full year of having Barkley fully fit yeah um, <laughs> kind of sounded like and on that, yeah that could be a bad thing and when that um, in that period where the season gets very truncated and you've got to play big domestic games around European weekends because yeah. they're in the Challenge Cup they can either afford to just you know not go for it and focus yeah. on a big domestic yeah. fixture yeah. they can manage their squad a lot better yeah and as, and I mean probably minimum top two in their group which look at it they've got they've not got Leinster yeah which kind of automatically will always take one of the top two spots and you know Munster also Cardiff obviously Treviso pretty good but I don't know I think Edinburgh are going to look at that and yeah be, you, your aim's got to be a home semi-final. Uh, yeah. It's a very interesting time for Edinburgh because by this time next year, Mini Murrayfield should be built and that's kind of been used as the, sort of the yardstick of the new, like the new Edinburgh has always needed that new home. There's absolutely no chance it can be ready by then. But no. I was speaking so to... ready I was, July 2020. I was but. speaking to someone at Edinburgh and they said yesterday, what day does it say? Wednesday. Yeah, Tuesday. They had an eight-hour... Edinburgh strategy meeting. It was like Edinburgh the next 10 years strategy meeting about what's going to happen. What is going to happen? To them, eight hours. Apparently, I think they were just projecting an awful lot of revenue. <laughs> I think they're just like, yeah, fuck it. Massive just amounts like of revenue. Line. We'll spend, like, wow, we'll, we'll spend that on, you know, players. I, I slightly worry about Glasgow this year. Yeah. I think, I, I think that they haven't strengthened as much as we would have liked. Although, yeah, are there some new signings meant to be coming? I take it not. I wouldn't have thought, unless it's a mitre 10 player, but then even then, like, is it gonna be Aki, Salui, where the new prop is playing mitre 10, and you can announce it, so yeah. I don't really, that can be the only, the so, only yeah, yeah. that you so, can be getting someone from. 
I think they haven't really strengthened their squad. I do think they should literally pick up any winger. We discussed this. Yeah. In the minor 10. Or a, a number eight. Yeah. Like an, an Islander number eight playing the minor 10. Like they could definitely do a job in the yeah. Pro 14. Um, and obviously losing Hogg is like a, a big yeah. blow. I I can't see them making the final again. No. I could, I could see them maybe, I could see them missing out on that automatic place. I mean, having to go through that playoff. Yeah. And it's a bit, oh, maybe I'm being too harsh, but. Because Glasgow, to, to be fair to them, last year, last two seasons, do like such a good job of like picking off the sort of like the weaker teams on a Friday night. Yeah, yeah, and that, that they're usually very good during the international breaks. Because yeah, they exactly. do have that. That could carry them through. Yeah. Well, we'll be interested to see. Obviously, we will be following the Pro 14 once Scotland get dumped out of the World Cup. Um, very, very exciting. Alan. A little quiz? I've got a little quiz for you. A little quiz. Okay, much, mu- much excitement on Twitter about the quiz. Oh, really? Um, about it being the... Um, focusing on Scotland's biggest ever defeats, correct? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Or slash people who have scored, like, most points or tries against Scotland. Okay. So, in the 21st century... What is the biggest Six Nations loss that Scotland have had? The biggest gap. Biggest gap. Not most points against, biggest gap. Biggest gap. Um, They actually are different. Are we doing one question on or do I have to write it down? One question on. Bring it. What you got? Wales away when... You're out of the game, weren't you? Yeah, I was at the game when yeah, Hoggy got red carded. 2014. 2014. Is that your answer? Or are you going to go something different? Uh, you were there. I was, I was with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that I know. That, that, that was a great day out. That was a good day out. Uh, I'll go for that Twickenham match from the Ship 60. It is the Wales game. Because yeah. we scored like four tries yeah, against yeah, yeah, 2014. Yeah, I just thought I'd go for something different. Where we lost 51-3. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. What is in the 21st century our biggest loss to Ireland? Oh. Um, it was that it, it was under Cotter, I think. And Ireland, it was the day when all like the teams were chasing points difference, and Ireland needed the points. I can't remember the year. I think. Yeah, I was. I missed the whole game. I was going skiing, and the game fell perfectly during the flight. Two thousand and right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I know. I cried at my chalet later. Two thousand and two thousand fifteen. Fifteen. There you go. I remember we event- got nailed. Did we get nailed? No. no. Russell, Russell got a little try, and then I remember towards the end, Hog was going in at the corner. And then you couldn't see the, the angle, and he celebrated as if he'd scored. And it replayed, and his lip had tackled him and just like completely shacked the ball out of his hand. Oh, my like, God. Ugh. I think that was enough to give Ireland the championship. Yes, it was. They, and if they, they hadn't scored that try, then, then, was the, then England would have won it. There was an absolutely yeah. wild um, England-France game afterwards where yeah, they both yeah, scored yeah, like yeah, 50 yeah. points. And I remember afterwards England were like, thanks a lot, Scotland, you're yeah. pathetic. And it was like... <laughs> Yep, can't argue with that. Get it up, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've already mentioned kind of the England one, although there was one other time in 2001 when we also lost by 40 points. 
to England. To England. So in 2017, it was 61-21. And in 2001, it was 43-3. I think that was when Jason Robinson like was sort of coming on yeah. the scene. And at one point, he got through and he was one-on-one with Metcalf. Yeah. And he just didn't even like, he just kept running. <laughs> Cheers. You don't even need to do a sidestep. He was just like, <laughs> like, oh dear. I'll, uh, I'll break up the run of losses by going with a question. What player scored the most points ever against Scotland? Most points ever. That's really hard. Give now, us a clue. Obviously, it's a 10. Damn, maybe not. They never played down. Think about what tens will have played a lot against Scotland. Oh, so cumulatively or in one Cumulatively, the most amount of points in their career against Scotland. Or at least it's a kicker. I'm saying like Michelac. Wilco? So Wilco is third on 140, or second equal (laughs) on 114 points. On how many points? 114. Mishlak doesn't have a massive total, although he did once score 28 points in a game against Scotland, which we'll get onto potentially later. Okay. I think I know. Um, Carter? I remember those like. Yeah, but the thing is, because the yeah, Six yeah, Nations yeah, teams have just often. got. So, Dan Carter's on 62 points. He's only played five times. <laughs> and New Zealand didn't even used to like play They're the main yeah. team. Is it Sexton then? So, I'm going to. Sexton, ooze. No, 79 points. Your number one man. Ronan O'Gara. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> 125 oh, points. Two tries. Do you remember the one where he pammed Ross Ford? Yeah. yeah. Honestly. Pathetic. The most pathetic thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Can, yeah, I couldn't believe So he's it. kicked 115 points against Scotland. Kicked 120. So two tries, 20 conversions, 24 penalties, and one droppy. See ya. Jeez. And a half penny and Wilkerson a tied second. That'd be like a oh, big, yeah. big chunk of his total points scored ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What percentage of his total points <laughs> ever is twenty percent gone? Jesus Christ! Uh, and then what player, similar vein, has scored the most tries against Scotland? Oh God. Hmm. Who likes scoring again? I mean, lots of people like scoring against us. Yeah. 11.5% of Ronan O'Gara's points. <laughs> 11.5% of his total point. Give us a clue. Uh, Six Nations winger. Is that George North? S- scored the maybe the most pressing try that's ever been. Shane scored. Williams. Oh. Yeah, Shane oh, Williams. Oh, my God. Nine tries in, in eight games. <laughs> oh, God. To be fair, Jonah's got seven and six. Yeah, pretty yeah. good. Did he not get like four and one though? That's what yeah, Barbara, he, was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Kyle Murray. That was against Kyle Murray. You're a child. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, Italy's biggest ever win against Scotland. I'm go, I'm just churning through. Thirty-seven, seventeen. Boom. Yes, sir. That was the inter, the two interceptions. Yeah. Oh my god. The two interceptions and the golden chip. Oh. That's the first time I can remember getting like really angry. Yeah, the worst. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> And then the biggest French loss in the 21st century. O3 World Cup. O3 World Cup. You're on fire. <laughs> I, I don't remember the score. I remember it was like 40-something. Lots. 51-9 in the group stages. 
And that's when the last try was like Nicola Bruce chipped it over and he just yeah. like tapped it over like maybe Glenn Matcalf's head. Yeah. It's just like, you guys are so rubbish. I remember that from the DVD. It's just, uh, and then Michelin scored 28 points that day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, and then, so two very... Fair, that wouldn't happen against France these days. You wouldn't ship 51 points. Who is the oldest person to ever score against... Oldest person. <laughs> and this is easier than you think it is. The oldest person to ever score against Scotland. Why would it be easier than you think it is? Rory Best? It's Rory oh, Best. Oh, very good. Rory Best, at 37 years old and 38 days, is more than a year older than anyone else who's ever scored a try against Scotland. <laughs> How is he 37? Yeah, I know. I thought he was like 34. <laughs> and so you, he can still do it it was really good at the weekend yeah, it was actually, I'm not going to ask you this question because you just won't get it but there is one currently active player who has a Scotland cap but has never won a game and it's Darcy Ray <laughs> oh, really? 0% win oh, rate no. poor guy <laughs> yeah. what games has he played in? I think he was on the bench against, against Ireland last, yeah, in the yeah. last Six Nations we were down to the bare bones just living on the 0% it's just Boy, one, he didn't get, even get a warm-up game. <laughs> get Tom, Darcy Tom Brown is 100%. He is, and so is Phil Burley. James Lang is also. And nice. J- Jake Kerr. James Lang, what? Canada in yeah. the summer too? Canada. Jake yeah. Kerr. Phil Burley was against Australia. Was it? Yep. Um, and then Jake, Jake Kerr, Kerr was Ottoman Internationals. Italy. Yeah. Oh, no, it was Six Nations. Was it Italy. Six Nations? Yep. Yeah. There were some yeah. very good responses to the announcement that we were doing a worst Scotland game quiz Gordon Weir, fun trip down memory lane with that video of um, Renton from uh, Train Spotting diving down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, this one that I really enjoyed from Colin Bradford. England at Twickenham in March 01, 43-3, and I ripped my brand new kilt on the seat when I got up to saying you can stick your fucking chariots up your arse. I didn't even make it up. I just sat down and accepted it was going to be one of the worst days of my life. (laughs) So, Colin, sorry about that. It is an affliction supporting Scottish rugby. And another great bit of correspondence this week, Alistair McCaig slid into the mailbag. He said, I think my tweet from Monday morning succinctly encapsulates how we all feel. And he's put a photo of this tweet. It's a photo of him and his little boy. He must be about five or six. They're both in Scotland kits. And his tweet is, this morning I'm mainly asking myself, am I being unnecessarily cruel to my son by encouraging him to be a big Scotland fan, knowing exactly how much disappointment lies ahead? To be fair, (laughs) I had this exact conversation with my Kiwi girlfriend. And she was like, it will generally be mentally better for your son if he grows up a Kiwi rugby fan than a Scotland rugby fan. And it was hard for me to disagree. So Might be more of a dickhead, though. Yeah, he'd be a dick. Come on, dickhead son. I'm all for your son growing up in New Zealand, getting yeah. great yeah. at rugby <laughs> yeah, in New yeah, Zealand, yeah. and then being a kilted Kiwi, oh, yeah. kilted Kiwi when he comes over. So I want to be, I want to be an all bad dad. Like we're, we're moving back. He'll be the Moving first, to Pierre Heed. He would be yeah. the first kilted Kiwi who actually like came over and when they said, I used to get up at three in the morning to watch Scotland games, is actually telling the truth. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. I, I was yeah, literally yeah, yeah. I was forced, forced to. to watch this. <laughs> I didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. Like the hour of hate at the start of the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that it? That is yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. Well, there you go. Exhausted. That is the, yeah, draining. mentally and physically draining. Emotionally feel a lot better, actually, after that. Yeah, that's good. It does feel cathartic. cathartic. Mm. All positivity from here on in. 
Maybe. Yeah, we're going to beat we're, New Zealand. We're gluttons for punishment. We're going to catch it. New Zealand. We're at the bottom. <laughs> and we're now on our way up to beating New Zealand for the first time ever. Imagine New Zealand quarters, England semis. Well, the and England then we beat Ireland yeah. in the final retribution for the first game. Unbe- well, the England the, that that <laughs> semi that now <laughs> that semi that we're going to have against um, England's the morning of Matt's wedding. Isn't it, it is the morning of your wedding. Mm. How, you're not making words. It, how pissed it's probably because it's probably going to be <laughs> Scotland New Zealand and then England versus Wales or Australia depending on Sunday Scotland v England or Wales the morning of your wedding would be fantastic that would be world class yeah that would be so the wedding's well, off we'll, if we lose them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll be back the in wedding's five, off if we win so. we'll be back in five weeks to you know celebrate that, that big yeah. win alright we'll see you soon cheers 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 Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.